Hey guys, this is Nadine. At the end of the episode, you'll hear me tell you to visit us on our private Facebook group, She's Not a Slut Yet. Well, that's no longer the name because I changed it and I added an Instagram. The new Facebook group name is Snazzy Podcast, which is spelled S-N-A-S-Y Podcast, and the Instagram page is the exact same thing. That's all the updates for now. I hope you all enjoy the episode and revisit us next week for our first movie. This is John. This is Dan. And this is She's Not a Slut Yet. This is a podcast about three friends watching cult movies and drinking together. Um, just a PSA ahead of time for you guys. If you hear any squeaking in the background, uh, Dan and I got a hamster. Her name is Nups. She's got no toes on her front paws. She's going to be on that wheel all night long. I'm really sorry ahead of time. I changed uh, Dan's name to to my name in there because yeah, I wanted I saw to, that. to write, read the script and see, hey, just so you know, guys, John and I got a hamster, and then everyone was really said, confused. I already nope. said Dan, you're on your nope. own. You're you on took your it own. away from me. You took I away took my. Away. You took away my joy. I took it away. All of it. All right. So Dan's gonna start us out while you hear the squeaking in the background with uh, some box office stats. <laughs> All right. So go, do Dan. Do we even mention the movie at Big Fish? Oh I'll shit! Forget, but we're. This movie. <laughs> can we start, can we start over? No, no, no we, we keep we're, this we're, in. We're going, we're going. Okay. But Nadine's like, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. Big Fish, 2000 and... What year is it? Three? 2003? It's 2003. Um, Come on, guys. What are you what doing? You <laughs> if you look down the there the nominee awards, showing I nominations know. for I 2003, was... and then Dan, the one who chose the movie... To, you know what? This is a great start. Good start. All right, go on, Dan. Tell us about Best start stars. ever. So this movie it had a $70 million budget. Domestically, it made $66.8 million. Internationally, $56 million, so 123 total. Not great profit. Didn't even double its, its uh, how much it took to make, but well, as far as it's worth it, Surf Nazis must die. Yeah, Dan. Dan's just like, oh, it never ends. Any move I pick from this now, from here, is like, I, I can't go any, any oh, lower, so... No. But anyway, <laughs> it's actually pretty fucking so true. For like the, the 2003 uh, movie movie award year, uh, it had 69 nominations over a three year period. Yeah, so like it, it was nominated a lot, but I don't think it actually won anything. It didn't win shit. Hey, hey guys, you remember that movie that came out this year that people have been talking about? Yeah, what's the name of it? Yeah, it's Big Fish. Uh, th- th- this you is know a good what? Word. I like the actors. Let's nominate them. They're not going to yeah, win, but you know, so let's I, I think fucking it had nominate them. Great cast. Nominated for a lot, did not win anything. It was actually nominated for a sticker award for most overrated film, which and the trippiest movie of the year. Yeah, I, I like this. Okay, we'll, we'll get into how we personally <laughs> feel about this. Um, it seems like it was the critically pretty pretty well received. Had eight stars on IMDb and then seventy five percent on Rotten Tomatoes and an audience score of eighty nine percent. So that's. that's I have to say, because we've done, like, what, six different movies at this point, and every single Rotten Tomatoes was way higher than what it should have been, right? I I think Surf Nazis Must Die, I have to bring this back, Dan, I'm sorry, had, like, a 70%. There's no way it was that well, because, like, first off, Surf Nazis Must Die. Second off, I feel like these people rate them high just because they're an older movie. 
So I, I, I don't know. Eight stars. Eh, I think it's because they, lenient, you know, I think the only people who rate the movies are the ones who are like actually like the movie. <laughs> the only so, people that rate the movie, are the ones that actually like the movie. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> All yeah. 150 ratings on there. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you have to fish. Surfboss is put that rate it, so that's probably why. But <laughs> you don't even make it for the movie. <laughs> you five minutes. What's what's going on here? Let me let me rate it five stars. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Nadine, tell me some fucking facts. All right. So Miley Cyrus played a very small part in this movie. She was the young girl going to the witch's house with the boys in the very beginning. Um, the witch's makeup took approximately five hours to apply. Just as a heads up for y'all. Ewan McGregor was cast as young Ed Bloom when producers noticed that the, the striking similarity between him and the pictures of young Albert Finney, who plays the older Ed Bloom, the one who ends up dying. Even though young Edward lands in Korea, the ventriloquist and his puppet speak in Tagalog, which is a language of the Philippines, while the Siamese twins and Edward speak Cantonese, which is a form of Chinese dialect. All right. Anyway, Steven Spielberg was attached to this project and wanted Jack Nicholson to star, but dropped out due to his full schedule soon after, which Tim Burton actually signed on to direct, which is why you have differences in the movie styles every now and then. You can definitely tell when it's Tim Burton. You can kind of definitely tell when it's Spielberg instead. He wasn't in there very long, but even so, you can still see the difference. So Matthew McGregory, McGrory? McGrory. 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 Sorry, I had a lot to drink before I started this. <laughs> yeah, I know. You went to the bathroom five times already. Yeah, I had, I had a lot. Anyway, he was, <laughs> Go. he was Carl the Giant. He actually appreciated the shoes the costume department made for him out of luggage. He held the Guinness World Record for the largest feet size, uh, U.S. 29 and a half. Interesting fact. Most shoes have to be custom made past size 14, I would know, because I am a size 14. So can you imagine calling up, because you have to actually call in this type of stuff, you know, calling up Nike or something like that and being like, hey, um, I, need a, I need a size 31.7, please. Actually, I know. My ex was uh, tw- size 22 quadruple wide. <laughs> I hope we're talking about shoes and not something else. We're talking about shoes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, okay. A tall motherfucker with very, very large feet. <laughs> Sorry, right. I got I got to meet him a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he actually did. Uh, did you... He is a tall motherfucker. <laughs> He's a nice dude, though. He is really nice. All right, all right, all right. Anyway, though the circus colossus George MacArthur is shown being dwarfed by Carl the Giant, in reality he's only about three inches shorter. MacArthur is seven three, and McRory was. Seven six. Uh, the creative camera angles and platforms were used to exaggerate McRory's okay. height. So um, I noticed this a lot while watching this movie, right? Yeah. So obviously, Dan, you've watched Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Obviously. I actually have it on disc, and I plan to watch it next weekend again. So you know the how glorious the forced perspectives were in that movie and how amazing they made it seem like everyone was so short or everyone was so tall in certain scenes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The glory was not exactly here in this movie. And a lot of times, he would be really blurry or almost out of frame, it looked like. I'm not sure if yeah. you noticed that, but like when they were walking away at one point, I think it was from the carnival, McGrory looked like he was just literally like photoshopped in. As like a as a PDF image, uh, you can tell when he moves the house over. To be honest with you, the 
the oh, way yeah. he looks when he pushes that house over, it really, he really does look edited. Yeah, and the force perspective was just bad. Yeah, like I almost thought there was a kind of like a stylistic choice because it was supposed to kind of be like a fictional tale. I don't know, but it could have also been the year that it was released. Could be that too. Um. Right, anyway, next. the circus fat man was played by famed sideshow attraction Howard Huge, Bruce Snowden. Uh, this movie was his final appearance as a professional Batman. His weight peaked at 712 pounds during his career, which spanned more than 25 years. When he died in 2009, he reportedly weighed only, and that's in parentheses, by the way, 609 pounds. Anyway, Ada and Arlene Tai, Ping and Jing, are twins, though not conjoined. They were attached at the hip and waist with a metal corset-like contraption to fit their custom dress for their stage performance. They did not do their own singing. When their legs needed to appear on camera, two of them were digitally removed. Um, I noticed that. I noticed that. It was. I figured you would point that out. I think it's extremely noticeable. It's not. Anyway. It, lo- it, it kind of looked like what happens when you duct tape two people together. And you expect them to be coherent. It it didn't look that good. No, I think it would have taken a lot longer with them training to really get used to it. And it may not have been within the budget. Well, when when the budget is $60 million for a movie of this quality. I wonder, did they spend a million dollars buying a catfish and putting it in the water? Because I feel like that's where part of the budget went. Probably. Probably. All right. All right. CGI catfish. CGI catfish instead of just buying one. It lets you state-of-the-art catfish technology and catfish people into thinking we're actually using a catfish. It's like Catwoman, the movie Catwoman. You guys remember that with Halle Berry? They did that with fucking okay, cat. Eat. <laughs> I'm sorry. Whenever I hear cat, all I just think about is the freaking the, the, the cat movie that came out, like, what was it, oh. six years ago and was horrendously bad CGI? My grandmother loved the that movie. movie. Yeah, cats, of like course she would. Of uh, course your grandmother would like that movie. Why am I not that surprised? Came out like, <laughs> that came out like right before quarantine. That was like a year and a half. No, it was oh, well longer oh, okay. than that. So, it was well longer than that. Uh, no. So you're telling me, no, you're telling was, me, Dan. It was while we were dating. What? I have Google right in front of me? Yeah, we're going to Google this. movie. Cat movie came out in 2019 cats. in November. See? That's what caused the pandemic. So basically, anyways, long story short, the Cats movie caused the caused coronavirus. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Well, the reason I remember is because you watched it, it religiously and you have it on DVD and on... <laughs> no, it, it, it came out the same day as the last he's Star Wars movie. collectible think, so. record players playing cat yeah, movie songs I, in the I, background while he's doing this right now. All right, anyway, I'm going to finish my last two things and then we're going to get to the synopsis, okay, guys? This is off the fucking train. All right. <laughs> it's not my problem. Go. <laughs> Uh, so Matthew McRory, Carl the Giant, passed away two years after this film was released at age 32 from natural causes, which is unfortunate because he, from all accounts, seemed like a really, really nice guy. The last thing is this film is the inspiration for the song How I Go by Yellow Card, which I have never fucking heard in my life, but I'm sure Dan has. <laughs> How I Go by Yellow Card. Uh, Yellow Card is not my favorite. You but... like them, don't you? It, it's oh in wow! My... I, I do like them. It's Katie in like Perry sang it. Of... Really? I don't know the song. I'm gonna have to look it up after this because I was like, "Oh, yellow card." I don't like them, so I didn't even look it up. So I, I probably should though. 
Oh no, she yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, she said okay, anyways, really distracting. Anyways, so movie synopsis. I'm gonna burn through this real quick so we can go back to um BSing about uh um you know Dan's cats collection he's got going on. But I don't like cats, <laughs> I'm allergic to cats. Well, he, sometimes the moths are attracted to flames, even though it may be the end of their lives. They still want to be there. Oh, I understand, Dan. I understand. That is very true. Because my dad had a conversation with us about camping, where he watched a giant moth get burned alive inside of his campfire. Let's continue. This is true. <laughs> okay, thanks for the. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> that poor moth. Anyways, the movie starts out with Edward telling the story of catching the beast, a fish that was uncatchable. On the day his son, Will, was born to multiple different people over time. The scene then shifted to older Edward telling the story at his son's wedding, causing a fight between the two men that resulted in them not speaking to each other for three years. From the fight, Will begins speaking of his father's life story, and the scene shifts to a man pacing in a hospital hallway while his wife gives birth to their son, Edward. During the birth, you can see the woman give one last push, and the baby pops down and literally slides down the hospital hallway <laughs> until baby Edward was caught by a nurse just before he hit a wall. Great fucking scene. <laughs> the scene then shifts back to the present day, where he receives a call that his father is no longer going to be on chemo and needs to come home. Now, I just want to mention something. Um, chemo makes your hair fall out. Full head of hair. He luscious. That's actually not a hundred percent true. Like sometimes chemo does not actually make your hair fall out. Yes, that dude had a luscious bush on top of his head. Anyways, while on the plane ride home, Will watches a kid make shadow puppets and flashes back to a memory of his father doing the same while telling stories. In this memory, young Will asks his father to tell him the story about the witch. The scene then shifts to Edward as a kid with a group of friends sneaking out of the witch's house and being dared to get the witch's glass eye that showed your death. Edward takes the bet and has the witch come with him to meet his friends. Once his friends were scared off from seeing their own deaths, he asks how he will die. Once shown, he does not seem frightened, but content with his fate. The scene then goes back to the present where Will and his wife, Josephine, have arrived at at his parents' home. As Will and his mother unpack his trunk, his mother tells him his father won't eat anymore. Once in the kitchen, Will sends him upstairs with Ensure. Isn't that like a dietary, like, milk supplement? It is. My grandmother has yeah, to drink disgusting. it. Well, Will and his father have a strained conversation when he's there, as his father refused to tell Will the story of his life. As Will leaves his father's room, he flashes back to a memory of him being sick as a child, his father telling him about his time in bed for three years. The scene then shifts to show Edward growing at an extremely fast rate as a young boy with this weird fucking contraption on his body that was, like, moving him and honestly looked like something very inappropriate. Very, very inappropriate. Edward was convinced this unusual growth was him being destined for great things, because that's usually how that is. And the scene then shifts to show a montage of achievements Edward had, including saving a dog from burning building. What an achievement! The montage then... That's just really messed up. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) The montage then ends with a giant named Carl coming to town. The town is up in arms about this giant as he keeps eating all their livestock. Edward then volunteers to go talk to the giant and convince them to leave, and the town reluctantly lets him. Once at the giant cave, Edward convinces the giant to come to the city with him and brings... But their conversation they had was very weird. Do you remember yeah, that conversation? Yeah, he said, oh, Dan? I'm, I, I I'm here to get be as like a sacrifice. You have to eat me. But like he was so confident because he knew he wasn't going to die. But I still feel like it's rude. I was just like, what... 
No, can you just imagine being this dude? This poor dude is just really big, and the only way he can eat is by just stealing. Because how the fuck are you gonna? What are you gonna farm? Fucking ten inch long fucking potatoes? Like there's not much you can do, you know? Or ten yeah, feet long potatoes? And he's, at what point does it? Does it? Uh, does it? Ewan McGregor's character go up there and says like, "Here, just try some of my fingers." Like, what's his thighs? His thighs. Conversation is this? Yeah. Yeah. It's just what the fuck. Anyways, as the two are leaving, Edward sees the witch who showed him his death, beckon him over to her. Once there, he tells him the biggest fish in the river gets that way by never being caught. On their journey to the city, the two men come across two roads, a paved one and an overgrown one. Edward convinces the giant to take the paved road, and that will meet him at the end of the other and gives him his pack. I don't... I, I never understood why they didn't just walk on the same road. Like, I didn't get you know either. what? I will take the path less traveled. Yeah, yeah, that's, just... that, that's exactly why. So he's purposely just taking the path less traveled to see what's there. The overgrown road takes Edward through a series of obstacles that eventually leads him to a small town with no roads. A man from that town greeted him and declared that they expected him to come much later. The man then invites him to stay for pie pie of all things and meet norther winslow a poet who had left his town's years past edward initially declined stating he was late but the man brushed him off and insisted he was early edward then spent the day of the town until later that night during a dance where he decided he needed to leave or he get stuck there as he left he promised the little girl who had stolen his shoes he would be back edward then treks through the woods and meets up with carl to continue their journey once again i don't understand the entire point of <laughs> This is why the son is so frustrated with his dad. All right, all right. So the scene shifts back to present day to older Edward chatting with Josephine about her and Will's wedding. Josephine then asks about his wedding, and he tells her the story of how he met and married Will's mother, Sandra. The scene then shifts to younger Edward enjoying a circus show when the ringmaster introduces his giant. Edward chuckles upon seeing the giant and redirects the stage light to Carl, who is much larger than the man in the ring, thus ending the performance and ensuring Carl a job. By the way, also fucked up. Dude just happens to be tall, and now he took him to a fucking circus. Now, <laughs> as the tent clears, Edward sees a girl and immediately falls for her, but is unable to catch up to her to talk to her. Sucks. Now, upon returning to Carl and ringmaster Amos, 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 I think it's Amos, he tells him about the girl, and Amos seems to... Uh, it's, it's just a weird fucking name. To apologies to any Amos listening. Edward begs Amos to tell him about her, and they strike a deal that every month Edward works for him, he will tell Edward one thing about her. Hey, I, you're into my lead. You're into this girl I know, so what I'm going to do is blackmail you for information. Edward agrees, and for the next three years, he works for Amos, Amos until he's fed up with not, not actually knowing her address or name. <laughs> he just got... He got slave-labored! <laughs> <laughs> Edward, hey, yo, I'm really into this girl. That's like, man, that's like going to high school and then seeing this really, really, you know, cute girl and be like, yeah, hey, um, high school pheromones, I want to date you. And she's like, well, let me introduce you to my dad who works at a factory and you're working a coal mine for three years just to help, you know, learn her name or something. All right. Anyways, I'm just okay. Um, where, where Nadine, where Edward then goes to Amos's tra- trailer to uh, confront and discovers to confront and discovers that Amos is in fact a werewolf. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course, he's a werewolf. The next morning, Amos tells Edward her name and discovers that the school that she goes in and the school that she goes to, and Edward just runs off to find her. 
Once Edward arrives at her dorm, he confesses to her, but she rejects him, and she's already engaged to someone from his... <laughs> this scene is so fucked up. It really up. is. <laughs> Edward does not take the hint and for- continues to pursue Sandra until one day he brings a tulips and wins her over. A few little tulips. <laughs> of course, at the same time, Sandra's fiance sees them and beats the shit out of Edward until Sandra yells at him and then refuses to marry him. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Now he died that night. By sure. the way, uh, you skipped. You you skipped over this. He died because he was heartbroken. No, he died because he had a defect. Literally, in the his stress of being heart and being the shit out of Edward yes, killed but him. But because yeah. of the stress of the stress of the heartbreak killed him. Well, I, I think the stress of actually him physically beating up. Also, he was on the fucking toilet. And listen, <laughs> when you die on the toilet, you just kind of like fall back, right? You don't full belly flop forward. I was like, he stood up to die. Like, <laughs> I, I have, I don't know how did how did Elvis die? Does anyone know? Did he fall forward or did he go backwards? <laughs> Out of, out of all, out of all the things in this movie that are like completely ridiculous, that's what you point out. <laughs> okay, no, there's a lot more ridiculous shit <laughs> we're about to get into, but I just want to mention like he's like he sees a girl, chases after her after being a slave for three years, breaks up the engagement between her and her and her fiance, and her fiance dies from heartbreak, and he just happily ever after. I I, I thought it was fucked up too. And it's also someone from like his hometown. Yeah. He yeah, like, it's someone from his hometown. Second, just fuck that guy. Him, you see him, and, the, and like he was like he called yeah. him a dick. It didn't make sense. He he literally the only thing that was wrong with him that he didn't seem to be happy that someone else was doing good for themselves, and it was probably because no matter what he did, he couldn't win. And then finally, finally, he thought he had a girl who loved him, and here comes fucking Edward Bloom. It's his girl. <laughs> Here comes fucking Edward. Like, hey, you got a head in life. Well, she going to be ahead in my life? And then just fucking kills him. All right, continue. Let's continue. <laughs> Anyways, while in the hospital, Edward finds out he was drafted to fight in the Korean War for another three years. During well, There's a pattern of three years in this. There is there? a three-year thing. Um, During one of his missions... During one of his missions, Edward meets duct tape together conjoined twins and convinces them to leave with him and escape back to the U.S. so Edward can marry Sandra. I, don't, I still don't understand it even after watching that scene. I still don't understand why the hell that means anything. Wow, you're conjoined twins. Maybe you can help me get married. It's just fucking... Anyways, the scene then shifts to Will and Josephine talking in bed present day. During their discussion, Will reveals that he believes his father had another life and hated being at home with him and his mother as he believed it to be boring. Josephine insists Will should talk to his father and he tries to do so over breakfast, but the father insists that everything he told him was true. They ended the conversation on a sour note. Later that day, Will helped his mother go through paperwork in the garage when his mother finds the notice he received when Edward went MIA. The scene then shifts back to Edward when he was younger getting a job as a traveling salesman. As he becomes more successful with his sales, Edward began to put money into his savings account. On one visit to the bank, he runs into Norther Winslow, and they have a pleasant conversation right before Winslow just robs the bank and has Edward's accomplice. While in the getaway car, Edward steers Winslow towards Wall Street as a more viable career. Winslow's like, you know what? I agree. That's a great idea. Here, have ten grand that I just stole. Well, he did it. After he got <laughs> successful and he was like, you helped me figure out a new career. I made $100,000. Here's 10 fucking grand. Buy a house. 
Okay. But the scene then shifts back to Will in present day going through paperwork in the garage. While going through stacks, he runs across a deed of trust for a woman named Jennifer Hill. Will then goes to find Jennifer Hill to see if he and his father were having an affair. Jennifer then tells Will the story of how she knew his father and how her deed came into his possession. The story begins with Edward getting caught in a storm and his car getting stuck in a tree. Doesn't make any sense. I don't know how, I didn't know how else to describe that. Basically what happens in the scene is that the storm is so bad, it floods. He sees the naked woman who's supposed to be a fish that he met in this town of Spectre, which is a place that has no roads. And then somehow, magically, his car got stuck in a tree. I didn't know how else to describe it. So I was like, you know, okay, okay, you know what that reminds me of? <laughs> there was a picture online that surfaced like six years ago of somehow or another a car getting into the second story of a building and not damaging <laughs> thing, anything on the way up and just sticking out of the house. <laughs> All right. Edward then finds the keys to his hometown he lost when, see, when leaving Spectre and finds his way back to the town surprised to see its dilapidated state. Edward then tries to put the town back together and by asking for help from friends and reinvesting it. The only house he had left to purchase to save the town was Jennifer's. He refused to sign it over. Edward discovers it's the little girl who stole his shoes on the first visit and tries to make up for his absence by repairing her house. Which, by the way, this entire scene was the most normal scene of the movie, right? And I love the aesthetic, the aesthetic camera, because I knew this was Tim Burton thing, of how she looked absolutely stunning and everything, glistening sunlight in her hair as he's manly painting paint onto a wall. Like, it was just, <laughs> the scene, the scene was just like, oh, wow, we're in a different movie now. Anyways, over the time he was trying to fix it up, they became close friends and Jennifer began to fall for him. Of course, Edward rejected her advances but she did eventually sign over the deed to help save the town. When Will returns home after visiting with Jennifer, he finds out that his father was taken to the hospital and rushes there. Once there, he volunteers to spend the night with his dad so his mom can get some rest. While up there, his dad wakes up and asks him to tell the story of how he dies. Will makes up a story of how they escape the hospital in Edward fashion and drive to the river where Edward is sent off by all of his friends to become a very big fish. After Will finishes his story, Edward passes. By the way... That was a weird fucking scene. The princess carried his dad into a lake with the entire town cheering him on. Plop, just doesn't gently, pretty much fucking throws him in the water. But here you go. And then it just turns into a catfish and flutters away. And I'm just, oh, and the way he like put his hands together, it was like, he was like a, trying to like angel statue himself. But it just looks so weird on a 70 year old man getting princess carried as an angel being placed into water to be catfished. All right. Uh, during Edward's funeral, Will gets to meet the characters from his father's stories. Though they do not all look how his father described, um, or clearly exaggerated, it shows that his father's stories were all partial truths. The movie ends with Will saying that his father told his stories so much he became them when a large fish jumps out of the river. There was a lot to unpack here. A lot. This was one of those movies that, even if you watch it a lot of times, you will not understand a damn thing. I understood it, but it's not one of those movies that's quite straightforward, but it's also one of those movies that unless... If you if you bring back... There was an underlying plot to this movie. Nadine, I'm going to tackle you. Okay. No, it's, it's, a, it's a father and son relationship story. That's, that's kind of like the main 
theme of the movie and like all these tall tales that his dad tells and his the son really never understands him but towards the end when the son's actually making up the tall tale along with his father that's kind of when they finally see eye to eye okay when i first read the synopsis of this movie yesterday <laughs> i know i should have read it like two weeks ago but yesterday um i saw this movie and immediately thought one thing the life of pi mixed with 180 days around the world. Yes, that's exactly what it's like. It is so much of both of those concepts put together. You have a, honestly, a really good narrative to the movie. There was a lot of good things in the movie, but it was so disjointed that it felt like Jackie Chan's movies. Now, I can see that (laughs) Dan just losing it. That's me losing it. That's me. So... (laughs) <laughs> so do you remember the jackie chan movie I mean, around the world in 80 days i do i loved that movie it was bad but i loved it do you remember how fucking ridiculous i i love that movie that is it a great a movie one. but the ridiculousness of that movie every part of that movie was just unneeded the dude went around in a fucking just there was no point to the movie right it, that that's exactly what this movie feels like but it has the narrative of the life of pi Something like a really amazing, cool aspect to it, just without all the cool stuff in it. So, when I first read this movie, I wa- I read the synopsis and was like, "God damn it, Dan! <laughs> you always choose. No, never. You never. You always choose the movies that make me just okay. wonder why I'm doing this podcast." <laughs> Like, Nadine's like, here's a great movie. This may not be the best of its class, but here's Weird Science. Here's uh, The Fifth Element. That was mine. That was a group pick. Anyways, uh, what was your other... (laughs) What was your other... uh, It was... was, What was your other... That was uh, 100% my pick. uh, Nadine. You had had, uh, one and then another one. Uh, Okay, hold on. I actually have my... I have the list. Here. There we go. It's... I was Weird Science, I was Scott Pilgrim, I was Kill Bill Volume 2. Next month, I'm picking Donnie Darko, and then after that, I'll be picking... No spoilers. Okay, I'm Damn. sorry. Anyways, I have the next three months um, picked out. I, I apologize. God. <laughs> so, the movies that Nadine picks always have some type of reason to be in here. Like, oh, here's a, here's a good reason why this movie's in here. Um, oh, this movie is one of my favorites when I grew up with it, and it's a good movie. Dan's like, that's a cool name. I want that one. <laughs> <laughs> this this okay. was one of my favorites. This is a movie, movie I like when Surf I'm... Nazis <laughs> Must Die, The Fifth Elements, oh and now Big Fish. I'm seeing that a w- pattern here, Dan. <laughs> It was a good movie. It was Wait, a good movie. It was amazing. Nothing to do with you. That was the producers that made the movie. <laughs> I know that's it. Okay, I, look, I picked Surf Nazis Must Die. That was the one. I'm not even gonna call it a mistake because it's, it's gonna carry this podcast through its entirety. All right, all right. So reviewing the movie, right? Reviewing the movie after I just roasted the hell out of Dan for a good five minutes there. This this movie, I, I, I there was a lot of things that you have noted in here, which I do want to talk about, um, Nadine. And I think we should go through each and every one. Like for example, I don't understand how his car ended up flooded and stuck in a tree. That's not even remotely possible. Like I said before, but I will give this movie some credit. This was based off of a book. The book was a very, very good yes, book. Yes, it was. From what I've read about the book that I will not I read. I actually did read the book. It was so, fan-fucking-tastic. <laughs> the movie did not do it justice. It didn't. 
Have you read Aragon? I did. I did read Aragon. <laughs> Have you watched the Aragon yes, movie? Same fucking thing. The Aragon movie was absolute shit. I would literally rather. It was dog oh ass. Oh my god! Lick a toilet seat and watch it again. It was so so bad. bad. So bad. And this is what I want to say: book recreations always piss people off. Like you remember the meme of Dumbledore? It's like. Why did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Dumbledore said calmly. And then in the movie, he's like, why did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? And starts choking Harry, like pinning him up against the wall. Like, this is the point I'm trying to make. Is that the book itself was a very, very good book. But 99% of it was lost in translation into the movie. And all you have are characters doing really weird shit. You don't know why. (laughs) So, it's like... When you're, it's like tearing a page out of the book and getting the names for it and trying to understand what's going on with that single page, and then you come up with this. That's that's what I want to say is that it's a mess. It's like if the Avatar, the Blue People movie, didn't have good graphics, <laughs> no cinematics. It's just weird and it doesn't make sense. That's how I feel about this movie. It was fun to watch, but God, I'm feeling uncomfortable the more I think about it. It's it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, I will have to say that. But the thing is about this movie... Well, of course, there is one I can say, and that's Surf Nazis Surf Must, Nazi must die. die. If we ever do t-shirts, we really have to do one where it's like Surf Nazis Must Die. Worst movie in history. Dan's pick. <laughs> Change the freaking name of the podcast to She's Not Surf Nazis Must Die or something like that. Anyway, when they do movies that are based off a book, sometimes they do come out really great. They do haptic liberties, and we understand that you can't translate something that's written where you can put more detail into it and actually put it onto screen and actually be able to have it the same thing. That's understandable, but sometimes it comes out great. This is just not one of those movies where they took it from Word and actually made it something on screen that would was something that was enjoyable and lovable and and even remotely like as great as the book like harry potter books were fantastic the movies were good they were actually really good movies and maybe they were they were really good they were close to the actual the books as well like they actually followed it because you know jk rowling was breathing down right, her ne- they their necks exact. with their tendrils they, of they hair. still weren't exact but even no, so they, they still translated it well enough to the screen that it became the franchise that it is today. I don't think they did that with this movie at all. So I have to say there are many movies that are a great example of this. Like I'm not talking about twilight first off, <laughs> even though that's actually a pretty damn good one to one. one. To one. <laughs> um, but very good one. It is really, it's really close to the book. I mean, it's surprising, but it's not a good movie in my opinion. Um, when you have a really good book and a really good novel, it does well for a reason. When you have that translated over to a movie, it's almost an easy gateway. It's an easy success if you just follow it, you know? But you can't write the script and be like, huh, it's two and a half hours long. People aren't going to watch that. Let me noodle out about 30 minutes of the most important stuff. Split it. Yeah. Or do a Kill Bill where people only understand that one part of the movie is real. <laughs> yeah. Or one part of the two two series is real. But they, they did that with Harry Potter, though. The last book was too big for them to put in one movie. They split it into two. Don't get me wrong. Oh, please. They did not do that for that reason. They probably didn't. Fucking, what but, about... Like, that's no, what they no, they didn't, because do. I could tell you... And they did that with Lord of the Rings, though, where they split the movies up. Fucking Snyder Cut. The Snyder Cut of Justice League proves that you can have a good movie that's four and a half hours long. But anyways, point being is that... a. Uh, 
I've referenced so many movies in the past 10 minutes. But the point being is that this movie was good. This movie was good. I'm not saying it isn't. It just just felt so disjointed, and I feel like it did not do any justice to the book. No. Yeah, I never read the book. I kind of want to read the book now. But, like, I actually really did like this movie. I still enjoyed watching, rewatching it again. It, and it's funny because, like, going through the synopsis, it doesn't sound like it's a good movie. But, I don't know, maybe it's just the, the stylistic feel of it. But I like it. If you loved it as a kid when you were growing up, I'm not going to shit on you for liking it now. Because if it's something that feels like you connected with, because it is a story about a father and son, I can't connect with that, obviously. I'm a girl. And maybe Dan can connect it for, to it for a different reason. Yeah, like, I I guess I could be sympathetic to the movie because it's it's kind of like illustrating this relationship between a son and a father. Uh, the only reason why I'd like this movie as a kid is because it looked funny. And it looked fun. Because literally the entire movie was, was a joke. It was meant to be one. Anywho, I want to talk about something related to the movie, the film score. I've never watched a movie where the music was so useless. I do not remember a damn thing about the music in the That's movie. That's actually pretty true. I don't remember anything either. At all. That I don't re- I don't remember the music. When you listen, oh, let's talk about something like really iconic. And there's another movie incoming. When you watch the when you watch the Avengers, right? The dun 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 dun. That's such an iconic, iconic theme song, right? What fucking music was in this movie? <laughs> there wasn't like no. I I, I kind of know exactly what you're talking about because like I don't. I remember during, during the credits, there's like a Pearl Jam song that I just realized now, like after like watching it hundreds of times or however many years since I first watched this. But like during the movie, like you're right, like I don't, there's not one yeah, scene that I can remember. Like, the, like, the, the, music the most that useless film score I've ever heard in my life. You know, they probably hired some kid from freaking high school to make the music for it because, it, and then they deleted it because they didn't want it in there. Like I don't remember it. And like, like when we talk about like Solaris, for example, the music in there was actually pretty damn good. It wasn't awe-inspiring, but it worked with the scene. Yeah, you remember it. I don't remember music in here. I, yeah, I remember. I remember there was music. I just don't remember yeah. anything and about I don't even it. Think so the it's music's like, necessarily bad. It's just it's. Yeah, it blends like, in. Like when you when you watch a horror so movie, you're like, damn, that's a really there. good film score. No, it worked with the scenes. And this in this movie, it's like there was music. <laughs> <laughs> like when there was music, I don't remember this. Like that's so weird. It's just a very weird feeling to watch a movie and not notice that there's music at all because you, you don't care enough to actually notice it, you know. So that's that's what really yeah. got me about this. It's like there's so many things about the movie I just don't get. Like where was the music? There's another thing that I also wanted to touch on upon that I don't think they ever did in the movie. Uh, the the movie kind of depicts the se- the town of Spectre kind of as like a cult town and no one actually like acknowledges that like right like they they're okay. a cult right am i this right was, <laughs> this was made in alabama i think that's the explanation that's needed are you saying all of alabama is a cult because i feel like you're saying all of alabama is a cult and i don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> i was born in alabama nadine i know <laughs> well, no, i mean I, I i got the sense that it was a cult town and i think that's why edward wanted to leave is no, everyone like, realized like, because no, he was this a like, big boy and he had dreams yeah that's why edward and he was destined for greatness that's where he stole he, someone's fucking wife yeah, yeah speaking of edward, speaking of his name was don 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 right? yeah was that was yeah Don? Oh yeah, you have it written here, Don Price. Talk about the most unfortunate dude 
the most unfortunate quote unquote villain of the movie. He wasn't right? even a fucking villain. I don't understand. Poor guy struggled his entire life to match up to Edward's greatness. He was always second place. He could never make it to the be- the bigger scene because Edward was always the one first. Always. And finally, after many, many years, like you said, finally, after many, many years, he finally found a woman that he loved, was happy, and then fucking Edward walks into the scene. Yeah, he, he beats a guy for stalking his fiance. I, th- I don't think that's a crime. No, it's not a crime. I mean, it's a crime, but it's not like... It's not. It's, it's not. not. It's self-defense. And he did nothing wrong. That's like the fucking high school musical movies. Oh my god, what is with me today? That's like the high school musical movies, okay? So, so like, why are these guys bad? I don't understand. They're just another high school. <laughs> like what? Why are these guys horrible? It's the same thing here. Like this poor guy struggled his entire life to be something, and he finally manages to bet peace with himself and gets fucking murdered and his wife stolen. They but they give you no fucking reason why. The only reason that I could think that he may not be likable is that he can't be happy that someone else is successful in their life. But even so, I can understand his frustration because the entire time he had in his later childhood life was he that he could never succeed past edward and no one saw him at all as anything he was always second best i know i know why because the character the person that played him looks a little mean seriously he looks like your stereotypical high school jock (laughs) like that 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 i think i think they were like all right listen yeah we need to make a and okay i guarantee the author of the book like actually had a reasoning for this Right. right Like, I, like when they wrote it in, but here it's just lost in, you know, whatever translation to this it was. But I just like to imagine, you know, the previous person before yeah. Tim Burton, God forbid, I don't even know his name, Spiegler Spielberg. or something it was. Um, yeah, off. he was just like, you know what? This guy in this book, he's supposed to be bad. Let's get the most stereo-fucking-typical person possible to be the bad kid in high school. Like the Flash what is happening to me, man? I don't know, because like, you're not the cinema like lover. You even like, like movies. What? <laughs> I don't know what's going on today. <laughs> but um, in The Flash, uh, I, I recently caught up to the most recent episode on season six, by the way. Ah, oh, good show. Um, there's this dude that Barry was bullied by in high school, and he looks one-to-one with this guy in the most stereotypical douchebag look possible, you know for a fact that the director was like, you know what, let's hire a douchebag. I got this. So let, let, let me defend this decision in to, for the film right makers, because I think you're only getting the perspective of this character through right, but there's okay. no blue. I mean, when you read between the lines, you tale. create reasonings but for things. So, like, Nadine does that, not you, Dan. Okay, shut up, John. There, but there's no, even, even, yeah. in, even in Edward's <laughs> like, view, there is no reason. Yeah. He can't give a reason why. He never explained it in any of the past views. So I don't understand why in this movie they're like, well, oh, he's an asshole, yeah, and we're just supposed to expect it. Actually, you remember the synopsis of the movie? Remember the synopsis of the movie in the very beginning? Yeah, because he's only he said that uh, you know, Will met Edwards, all, everyone that he met, like when he was younger, later on, and they were over exaggerated. How the hell? It, that that's fine with me, but how exactly. the hell is Don over exaggerated 
when there wasn't even an exaggeration in the first place. For real. Well, no, because he never got to defend himself in real life. You never actually meet the real life Don. You just kind of see. So you're, so you're telling me Edward just came in and sucker punched Don out of nowhere and stole his girl. But in Edward Vision, it was a redemption story. Well, that's the thing. It could be. And that's the thing. Like, every time you see you and McGregor's version of, of uh, Edward Bloom, that's not reality. That's a fictional tale that the, the father was telling the whole time. Yo, his dad was a douche. His dad was a douche. <laughs> and that's why I stopped talking to him for three years. See? It all makes sense. Problem solved. When I was told the name of this movie, I actually was in Discord playing a game with a friend. And this dude's, like, you know, in his 40s. Um, he's, he's a good friend of mine. And I said Big Fish. And he's like, oh, yeah, that, that movie's good. It, it's a fun movie to watch, yeah. And I asked him about it. I'm like, well, what do you think of it? He's like, oh, I mean, it's not the best movie in the world, but it's a fun, entertaining movie. And at its absolute core, yes, this movie is a fun, entertaining movie. You can have a beer. You can laugh at dumb things in the movie, and you move on with your life. It's inconsequential. It's another thing on the, on the screen. Well, I guarantee when this came out in cinema, people – Went to the movie theater like, Big Fish, huh? That looks like fun. Watched it and then just walked away and then completely forgot they ever went to the movie theater. My stepdad didn't know that it was big. Like, it's just one of those. Yeah. No, it was. Can you imagine seeing this in the box office? I'd be so pissed if I paid $20 to see this shit. I don't think it was 20 at the time. <laughs> but. Yeah, I don't. I remember not seeing it. This. This All right, this would have been at least for me. I don't think I actually saw the theaters. Popcorn, okay. <laughs> All right, let's. We have to close. We have to wrap up really quickly. There is a couple things that I wanted to put in before we go ahead and wrap up and go to like how we would rate it. But before I go ahead and do that, was there any last remarks you guys wanted to do that put in? Thank you for choosing a movie that wasn't as bad as Surf Nazis Must Die. You're welcome. <laughs> that, that that's it. I mean that that's all that uh that's all that I got. So the one thing I wanted to add before we went over is that I would have to say that uh, there was a few scenes that were really great um, that put perspective on what was actually happening at that moment in the movie and like present time, not in Edward's like fictional past. The one scene that really put it in perspective, I think, was when him and his wife, the woman who played Sandra, Jessica Lange, who's fabulous in any like role I see her in. Great actor. Absolutely fantastic. They were, he was in the tub. And she came in, and they were talking, and you could see her playing her part, and she was trying to mask her pain, and you could see that she couldn't. She was wearing a smile, but she wasn't actually showing the smile. The fact that she could do that as an actress is phenomenal. Like, how many people do you know? Isn't that like literally the standard quality of an actress? No, there's a lot. Display? I'm not. I'm not trying to be mean here, but like when we talk about A-listed actors, because most A-listed actors they're sucked up into the uh, the conglomerate of really good films and cinema. They're sucked into the Marvel universe. They're sucked into uh, you know all these really good movies that people watch. It's almost like a, it's a quality trait and. I, I agree with you then. If you put it like that, like then this actor probably shouldn't have been played in this movie, but the fact that she did just made it more realistic and brought it, to life. Well, that's what I'm saying. Not many actors or actresses can actually 
show two emotions at the same time. Show someone trying to pretend to be happy for someone they love and not being able to do so. And it is showing the scene as a heartbreaking end-of-life scene where you know your spouse is going to die. The person you spent the last 30 or 50 years with and you actually really love them and you just can't imagine your life without them. And she played her part so perfectly throughout this movie that I cannot falter whatsoever. Quickly off of Nadine's comment on on the actresses of this movie, they actually have a lot more depth than the yeah. the male characters because they, they, I feel like like the dad, the son, every male character is very one dimensional, and the the wife of like his son and his wife I feel like they're actually no. You're right. You're you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, if you take each and every single part of the men in this movie for every single character, they're one directional. Every single woman in this movie actually does have a little bit more. For example, even the yeah. witch had a lot of uh, had a lot of character that um, brought to the movie. So yeah, you know, it's not like uh, oh, I'm in the movie because I'm tall. You know that that sounds bad, but the, sharing that point exactly, you're right. Yeah, and even like the Spectre Girl, like, yeah, she kind of has like an arc that like she sees Edward again and she kind of always had this crush on him and like she kind of makes an advance, but she still does the right thing. All right, guys. All right, guys. Is it or isn't it? Dan, start us off. Uh, is this a cult classic? I would say yes. It just kind of has this weird style that isn't for everyone, but I really enjoyed it. I love like the shitty special effects and this kind of like tall tale feeling that it gave you. So I'd say it's a cult classic. I'm going to piggyback off of Dan and not and not share his uh you know his gushing over Tim Burton movies. I'm gonna say absolutely. I mean, this has literally everything to do with a cult classic. When you when you think of a cult classic, I would probably reference this movie again. Um, this is every. I mean, if you think about it, it's not a really well known movie. The people that know it know it very well, and they have good childhood memories of it. Um, the movie itself is almost scripted to be kind of like a cult classic too, where it's not one of the most amazing films in the universe that everyone knows, but you watch it and you're like, wow, this is kind of nice. You know, even new people that watch it enjoy it and they wonder why it hasn't been spoken of before. So I, I think this not just makes the name of a cult classic. I think it's one of the movies I would put on the top of the list for an example of a cult classic. I actually 100% agree with you, John. It is totally one of those movies that maybe I didn't enjoy it 100% like Dan did, but there are people who, like Dan, who absolutely love this movie. And when they know this movie and they watch this movie, they don't have bad feelings about it. They only have good memories. Maybe they know it to the T. They know every single you know word, sentence, phrase, whatever. They can quote it, yeah. and they love it. it. It's definitely one of those movies that it, it is for a niche group of people. And maybe not everyone likes, but it's going to survive for a long time because there are people like Dan who love it. I will say, though, it's really weird seeing it almost being out in like a 1980s movie style, but in the early 2000s. I thought this movie was way older. I really did. Like when I, when I, I was like, what the hell? This movie looks like it's made in the 1980s. But I, I, I feel like this just pays homage to the cult classic thing. Like if this is top of the shining list, you know cool yeah it is definitely top of the shining list okay uh let's rate it dan i will rate this movie i this obviously like i plays at my heartstrings i love this movie i recognize it flaws so i'm just gonna give the the rating based on like how this actual viewing of it i'm gonna give it a seven so it's still two above your rating for surf nazis must die 
Did I give that a five? Jeez. Do you give everything anyway, above five? I don't. No, no, no. It's Dan did not give it above five. I'm pretty sure I, I have sure. actually. Hey, can you review that because I want to. I want to marginalize the difference. I know. It, okay. <laughs> you, you, yeah. Give me two. I'm glad you take, can take your time to uh, do that, John. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just messing with you, but. I know. Um, a seven. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll continue while you're doing that, Nadine. Um, I a seven's a pretty pretty good rating for it. Um, for me personally, I'm going to be the little negative Nancy here. I didn't have the same you know inspirational feel as Dan did to this movie, or you know good memories to it. I've never seen this movie before, and at face value, like when I watch movies, I watch on my personal enjoyment. And, for example, when I watched Solaris, that was a really nice movie. When I watched Fifth Element, that's actually one of the best movies I've watched in a long time. In fact, I think I might get it on DVD and watch it again, just because. This movie is just... It feels like a, a movie that's been scripted for children. And that sounds mean, but that's how the movie came across. The book, I guarantee, did better justice. But since we are rating it on the movie, I am going to be giving it like a, pretty much a 4. 3.5 to a 4. That hurts. It, it's it's not it's not that okay. good. All it's right. not uh, bad. It's just not a movie. I, so, really no, it's okay. I, I I respect that. I, I again, I, I see why it's, it doesn't appeal to everybody. You could you could just throw this at three point five. So Dan actually rated Surf Nazis Must Die as a three. Just the heads <laughs> up. He did that as a very low score. <laughs> but the highest one out of all three of us. <laughs> so for this movie, it's kind of like what this movie was for John in Weird Science, which was our first episode. Uh, it's a five. It's one of those movies I can put in the background. I'm not going to enjoy it a whole hell of a lot. It still has some qualities to it that could bring me in, but I'm going to use it as background more, noise more than I'm actually going to watch the movie for I'm, a movie I'm, I'm that gonna, like, put this you know, I enjoy. I'm to bandwidth. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, <John. laughs> Alrighty, Dan, would you recommend this movie? Uh, yeah, I, I, I recommend it. I, I think it's it's an endearing tale that you can just watch and enjoy. I would recommend it. What about you, John? Um, if I want to recommend it to people that want to get started on cult classics, it'd absolutely be a yes. However, because uh, we're just recommending to people that we know, I'm going to give it a no. Okay. It's a great start to get into the cult classic sphere, but... It's a personal enjoyment. I wouldn't recommend this to anyone. So I would have to agree with John. It's just one of those movies that I feel like is a background noise. I don't even know if I would ever watch it again. I think the first time I watched it, I haven't picked it up until we had to watch it for this movie podcast uh, because Dan picked it. It's it's a no for me, too. I'm really sorry, Dan. I know you love it so much. We're starting a trend here. <laughs> I do feel like it's a movie that is specifically for people who have that kind of father-son relationship who can connect to the characters. If you don't have that, I don't think you can connect to the movie. I just, I just don't think you can. Honestly, I think this is the type of movie that Dan loves to sit down and eat some freaking uh, Honey Nut Cheerios to in a bowl of milk. Actually, he loves Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> like, I, I could see myself just... I didn't just guess that. I nailed it on the dartboard. <laughs> No, like if, if I wake up early one morning, I could see myself watching this movie while like Nadine's still getting ready, and I'm like, all right, just gonna watch Big Fish while I uh, scarf down some Cheerios. I hate myself for what how accurate I just nailed that. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. 
<laughs> you really did. <laughs> so yeah, I, I can understand Dan's point of view, but again, Nadine, I'm I'm 100 with you on the no. Yeah, and I mean Obi Wan movies. You cannot compare this to Star Wars. Don't bring your Star Wars talk into this filth. (laughs) I'm not comparing it. I'm saying it's the same actor that's Obi Wan Kenobi. And there it is. I found the reason why he rated this so highly, uh, Nadine. You didn't. You didn't put that together. No, but now I fully understand why you (laughs) like this so much. (laughs) This has a connection with Star Wars. Instant bonus points for me. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) freaking Star Wars geek. It's cute. It's cute. It's cute, Dan. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to put on, move, uh, add on to this? If you make another recommendation, Dan, based off of some Star Wars reference, I'm going to be angry. Who played in Surf Nazis Must Die in Star Wars? <laughs> Who did it? <laughs> no. no, I don't think anyone. <laughs> Who did it? I bet I mean, you will I... find that someone did. Who wore reference in every movie or, or, or make some tie in? So <laughs> who wore? Don't, don't challenge who me. Who wore this. one of the clone trooper outfits that just happens to be a side actor in that movie, Dan? <laughs> Dude, that, don't don't send me down that rabbit hole because I will find the answer for you. It's a rabbit fucking pit, Jesus. <laughs> oh man, that that's it. That's it for me, Nadine. I just, I really, right. I really hope the next one is good. I really do. What are we watching next? Oh, Dan no. <laughs> no. Let me, let me hold, on, hold on. Hold on. Google is going to be my friend here. Basketball <laughs> review. Oh, fuck. They're not oh, fuck. What is this? <laughs> They're holding a basketball, baseball. Oh, no. It's an amazing movie. Review for a low-budget comedy film. It works okay. God! <laughs> Can we take away Dan's privileges? I don't think no. I can pick another one for a while. Can you so. like one of the judges on the sidelines? He's like, yeah, this movie's pretty good. I don't know why I'm here, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs> we keep the trend going. Dan picks bad movies. I rate everything really badly, and Nadine's just a, a movie geek on this stuff and loves every movie. Oh, that's not true. I didn't like this one or Star <laughs> that's, that's, that's not true. I didn't like any of Dan's choices. Except the one you gave a 10. That's different. You see, that's if I go out and say, huh, that's, that's, that's so different. If I go out and say, yeah, you know what? You know what? Let's choose Star Wars as a cult classic this time. If we rate it badly, we're going to hell. I'm just saying that. Like, it's, it's different. <laughs> different. You, different. You can't plagiarize something and give it to your professor and be like, I wrote this. Look, it's 100. And he's like, what the fuck do you bring this to me for? I, I still don't see your argument. <laughs> Basically, what he's saying is, Dan, you picked one good movie. You picked one good movie <laughs> okay. and three bad ones. <laughs> That's acceptable. What do you mean? If you were if you were a hitter that hot, that hit one out of every four ball, actually you'd be pretty decent. Never mind. Yeah, no, that that's a two point two fifty average. No, that that's 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 that gets you on the roster. Not basketball, it doesn't. That doesn't get you on the roster. That gets you in the stands. Watching the gameplay as everyone else is shooting because you were so bad. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's end this podcast here <laughs> before we go down a rabbit hole with how bad we're roasting Dan's horrible talents and choosing movies. <laughs> all righty. So, 
if you guys have any movie recommendations or want to talk about movies with us, you can find us on Facebook through our private group. She's not a slut yet. The slut is S with three stars. Or you can email us, which would be probably a lot easier for y'all, at she's not a slut yet at gmail.com. <laughs> So if you guys like what you hear, please rate us, review, and subscribe. Uh, it really helps get us out there and have more people find us. Also, if you decide to rate or review, make sure to put in your rating and review that Dan sucks at picking movies. <laughs> Just as a heads up, we will be reviewing Basketball <laughs> next week, which is a non-list pick released in 1998. <laughs> it's Dan's pick. I don't know if you guys all guessed we that. We removed the double pick. So make sure to tune in again next week. <laughs> all right, guys. All right. I will see you in hell. All right. Next time. Next week. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye.